Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. Coming from a secular background, a secular home and a secular undergraduate school, going to seminary was quite an education for me in more ways than one. I often felt like I was living in and learning about a foreign culture. And as always, when you're introduced to a different culture, there are certain things that can take you by surprise. This is Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and co-host Hannah Greaser. Hannah, one of the most surprising things for me um, when I went to seminary was how guilty some women felt about attending seminary. They wondered if they had a place. They wondered if attending seminary was a luxury they really couldn't afford. And this really blew me away. I mean, how could women really doubt their right to an education or doubt their calling to seminary or their ability to lead? It just seemed so foreign to me. Yeah, and you know, I I went to seminary for one semester. May go back, we're not sure, but I I get that in a sense. I think for me it was more of it feeling like an indulgence to study faith when I felt like I wanted to practice it more or it just seemed I don't know. I know there's so many different hurdles, but did you feel like men were experiencing that in any regard at all that you could see? I did not. Okay. I thought that there I felt like there was a difference because I think that, you know, for men in seminary, the the path to a, a job, a pastorate or Christian leadership position would um, was clearer to them than it would be for women. OK, that makes sense. So taking maybe time and resources and not necessarily being sure exactly what you're going to be able to do with it I get that I really do <laughs> well I'm so excited about our guest today she has spent several years examining the role of Christian women through the lens of the work of the English mystery writer Dorothy Sayers um, Crystal Downing currently serves as the co-director of the Marion E. Wade Center and is the co-holder of the Marion E. Wade Chair in Christian Thought at Wheaton College her first book, Writing Performances, The Sages of Dorothy Sayers, helped ignite her next three books, which address the relationship between Christianity and culture. Crystal returned to Sayers for her fifth book, titled Subversive, Christ, Culture, and the Shocking Dorothy L. Sayers. And this book explores the various ways Sayer can speak to issues polarizing Christians in the 21st century. In her leisure time, Crystal enjoys not only bicycling through rural countryside, but also exploring distinctive architecture. Dr. Downing, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, so we're really excited to talk about Dorothy L. Sayers in the context of Christian and women and calling. Um, mm. And before this show, I did not know who Dorothy L. Sayers was, as we were talking about before the program, Dr. Downing. And so for people who have not been exposed to her work, how would you describe who she is and what she did um, for the canon of Christian literature? Right. Well, one of the reasons that people realize they need to learn about Dorothy Sayers is um, towards the end of his life, the very famous C.S. Lewis was asked to identify people who had most influenced his spiritual life, and he named four, one of whom was Dorothy Sayers. 
That's incredible. Uh, we, uh, I am fortunate in my position as co-director at the Wade Center, which archives all published and unpublished work by C.S. Lewis and six of his influencers, which includes Dorothy Sayers. So I met C.S. Lewis's um, stepson who came to visit us, and he told me the first time he ever saw his stepfather, C.S. Lewis, cry was when Lewis heard that Dorothy Sayers had died. Wow. So when I tell that to lovers of C.S. Lewis, they are shocked. They go, why haven't we heard about her? And I think in the process of our conversation today, people, listeners might come to their own (laughs) conclusions, but how Sayers achieved fame was as, and this has already been mentioned, as a detective fiction author. She wrote bestsellers. She was one of the founding members in 1930 of the prestigious uh, London Detection Club. She was elected president even before Agatha Christie was elected president. So she was super well known in Britain. She invented this character named Lord Peter Whimsey. And then something happened to her in 1936 that totally redirected her life. She was asked to follow in the footsteps of T.S. Eliot to write a play to be performed in Canterbury Cathedral, which was about the history of the cathedral. And that totally redirected her life and imagination. It uh, reignited her love of theater. And because the play had to be about Canterbury Cathedral, it forced Dorothy Sayers to start thinking about theological issues. And after this play, and the play was an incredible success, it went to the West End in London, even though it's about Christian topics, um, she never published another detective uh, work. Wow, I didn't know that. I mean, that's really no pressure to follow T.S. Eliot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. She was totally intimidated because especially at that time, this is 1936, um, high modernists looked down on bestsellers like, oh, well, a real artist wouldn't write a bestseller, whereas T.S. Eliot is the great poet, and he's almost impossible to understand, which proves how brilliant he is. (laughs) And so here, the bestseller is asked, to follow in the footsteps of T.S. Eliot, and she, it took her a while before she said yes. And it's a good thing she did, because she has made, she has brought thousands of people to Christ. And it was that request that led her in a new direction. That's really amazing um, to think of you know, that that one event, you know, transformed the way that she wrote. I know that You know, she has written many apologetic works, which, you know, we're going to get into um, next week, but um, including The Mind of the Maker, which was an incredible book Hmm. about that examining the Trinity in relation to the creative process. But, um, you know, turning to the way that she impacted um, as a Christian woman, she was actually on pretty much the forefront of thinking about uh, Christian women and their work and their calling. And, you know, feminism can kind of be a bad word. You know, I'm 43 and it is sort of a bad word for me because, 
um, you know, it's been categorized in three waves. The first wave was women's suffrage, which is the right to vote. The second wave is women's liberation, the right to work, and also included abortion. And the third wave is just the more... um, you know, who benefits from feminism? Is it just white women or can women of color benefit? And also maybe in a way um, looking down on men in order to elevate the status of women. And so it's that third wave of feminism that has kind of given feminism a bad, a bad name. But um, Sayers really had some things to say about women's rights. And I'd love to hear from you just a little bit about, um, you know, her views. I mean, she wrote this incredible essay called you know are women human and i would love to hear some of your perspectives on what she had to say about this yeah it's really interesting because she starts that essay which was originally a presentation to a woman's organization in 1938 um where she says i don't like to identify myself as a feminist and so she was someone who wanted to practice feminism but not preach it because she realized that many times people who are um, advocates of something just perpetuate alienating cliches that don't change anybody's minds. It just perpetuates polarization. And so part of my um, motivation in writing my most recent book on Sayers Subversive was the polarization that we see in our country right now. And and a lot of that polarization is because people make quick judgments based on language they hear. And there is, and this is something that Sears felt so um, uh, passionate about, that there is an idolatry of language that you see perpetuated in both religion and politics. That only if you use a certain language are you on the inside of things. And so she was constantly subverting, hence the title of my book, Subversive, constantly subverting people's comfort with the language they use. So she's not, um, how I put it is that for Sayers, the truth of Christianity does not change, but the language we use to talk about it must change as culture changes. And so she would say then the same thing back to women's rights. And in a follow-up essay called, and I love the title of the follow-up essay, it was several years later, The Human, Not Quite Human, um, she gets more explicitly ties feminism into Christianity. And she basically gives the example of Jesus Christ and the dignity that he granted women. And so there was a purposiveness in that the title of my book is Subversive Colon, and the first word after subversive is Christ. Subversive Christ, culture, and the shocking Dorothy L. Sayers. Christ was her model for subversive Christianity. And we know (laughs) Jesus was so subversive, it got him crucified. But of course, that was part of God's larger plan. Yeah, you use the word subversive a lot, and I'd love for you to, you know, unpack that word a little bit for us and tell us a little bit about how you uh, use that word and what that might mean for how we do, how we think about 
you know, issues, you know, it, whether it be women's rights or, you know, the polarization in politics today, how, how would you use, how are you using that word? Yeah. Uh, well, especially how can we subvert prejudices against Christianity, prejudices within Christianity and or politics by changing our language? And I kind of tie it to the book that has that you mentioned earlier, Mind of the Maker, which is about creativity, that we fulfill the image of God when we're creative. How can we be creative about creating new language that endorses ancient truth? And the hmm. classic example for Sayers is she caused the biggest religious scandal in 20th century England by changing language. And what happened is she had, after this transition where she had to write this play for Canterbury Cathedral, she was asked more and more to do radio programs about Christianity. And she was finally, in 1940, asked to write a series of radio plays about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And she took it very seriously. She spent a year rereading the Gospels in the original Greek. She was a brilliant woman. She read Josephus. She read histories of the era and wrote up 12 plays to um, present the truth of the gospel. But when she, there was a press conference by the BBC, so it's going to broadcast it on radio, it came out at the press conference that Sayers did not use King James English in her plays. Furthermore, she had some of the disciples speak slang. Furthermore, some of it was American slang. Oh, no. made headlines. Newspapers had headlines saying, plays about Jesus in American slang. And Christians all over England set up a censorship campaign. They demanded these plays not be broadcast. They wrote letters to Winston Churchill, to the Archbishop of Canterbury, demanding censorship. It was such a controversy, it was actually discussed on the floor of Parliament. Hmm. Wow, because, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And we look back on it today, and it almost seems silly, but I think there's parallels in our own culture. But anyway, here God works in mysterious ways. Because of the scandal, and Sayers got hate mail from Christians. She got threatening phone calls from Christians. And, but she, and this is what I love about Sayers, she was strong. She didn't care about being liked. And that made her very unusual for the way gender is culturally constructed, and especially her era. And she went ahead with the broadcast. And because of all the controversy, thousands of people who would never have listened to religious radio broadcasting tuned in because they wanted to hear what the scandal was about. And they, of course, assumed that she was um, going to be a demythologizer and deny the miracles of Jesus. But no, she gave the gospel message, and she got thousands of letters afterwards from people saying that finally they understood what Jesus Christ had to do with them, that they had committed their lives to Christ, that they are, they 
started reading the Bible, that they're, they've returned to church. And because she changed the language without changing the truth. Hmm. Yeah. So with her, be- she, from how you describe her, she seemed relentlessly in pursuit of her writing truth, you know, what God had put on her heart to do and nobody was going to get in the way of that. And And so she didn't even let her, you know, she didn't even stop to think about her her gender or, uh, she didn't let that hang her up. She just continued to do her work no matter what. Yeah. Right. In fact, um, this is key to one of the issues that she started exploring in the latter part of her novels, her detective fiction novels, um, and she repeats the phrase, the integrity of work. And she actually has, and here's another subversive thing she said, but when you think about it, it is powerful. She said, the only Christian work is good work well done. And she was so committed to that and she felt um, both males and females, this is true of both males and females, the only Christian work is good work well done, and different ones of us are called to different work. Some women are called to seminary, some women are called to be homemakers. Um, and, but she felt that the integrity of work and the gifts that you have that draw you to a certain work are more important than um, cultural constructions of gender, which tells what proper um, jobs are for males versus females. Yeah, well, one of the things that we know about um, the younger adults is that they really do want um, their ministers, their pastors, to start to address how their work life is actually yeah. part of their calling, mm-hmm. their comprehensive yeah. calling. And, you know, I know in one of the reasons that we focus on, you know, women work and calling is because it can be particularly difficult for Christian women to break free of some of the ideas um, about what it means to be a godly Christian woman. Does that mean you stay at home? Does that mean yeah. you go to work? How do you balance those two in Uh, You know, just this morning I was explaining to Hannah that I have a I couldn't even sleep last night because my day is so packed. I mean, I get up at six o'clock and make sure that my first daughter, my oldest daughter has a shower and breakfast. And I even made her some coffee because she didn't sleep either and got her to school. Then I get my youngest up and ready and to go to school. Then I come in to do the radio show and then I have meetings and then I have to write and then I have to take my daughters to you know after school functions and then I have a parent teacher meeting tonight and so all of that you know is just like stretched before me today and I'm thinking wow you know all of these things are very meaningful I mean my family is incredibly important to me um, and my work is incredibly important to me and so as Christian women, it, it can be very hard to remember and understand exactly how far our calling stretches. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And that's why um, she follows up this statement, Sayers follows up the statement, the only Christian work is good work well done. She follows up with, by saying whether it's 
um, church embroidery or sewage farming. And she's making the point that um, good work well done doesn't have to be splashy or showy or fulfilling what other people in culture are expecting of you. What you are um, assessing is what are the gifts God has given you and how can you use those gifts in the best possible way, yes. no matter gender. I love how straight to the point she was and some of the quotes I found and some of the ones you shared. Like I found one where she wrote, it's ridiculous to take on a man's job in order to be able to say that a woman had done it. The only decent reason for tackling a job is that it's your job and you want to do it. And I just love how clear that is. And as we get ready to close, I would just love for you to share some takeaways about what you think Dorothy Sayers can teach Christian women about identifying, but also pursuing the calling that God's put on their lives. Right. Well, this is something I've thought about in terms of community. Sayers was really committed committed to the idea of community. She actually said the ideal representation of a church would be a theater troupe where every person has an important role to get the uh, the play staged and mm. the lighting technician is as important as the director who is as important as the lead actor and we need to be um, in community I helping identify each other's gifts and I say that because the whole reason I have a PhD um, is because I had a friend way back in my early 20s who identified my gifts, and I didn't believe it. I just didn't think I was smart enough to go to grad school. And she actually went out to the local um, University of California, this was before everything was online, got an application for grad school, came slapped it on my desk we were <laughs> at this, in the same office and said, you are applying for grad school. And I needed this. This is what it means to be a church, to be in community, to help each other recognize gifts. And that is something that Sayers was committed to, community. We actually, the Wade Center just published a recent book um, about Sayers' com- commitment to community. So that is something, especially as um, women get stretched in so many different directions, especially as they have, um, if they are mothers as well, um, how can we develop community with other women who can help us sort out our gifts? Right, and we see that in, you know, 1 Corinthians twelve four. Um, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And I, I love thinking about it like a theater troupe and just with a community focus, because I think especially as a young adult, you get tunnel vision and you're like so concerned with paving out your life and building it. And what are you going to do? And it's really easy to even if it starts as a good pursuit of wanting to find your calling and live your life for God, it can very quickly be about your own selfish ambition. And I think keeping that in mind is 
just very crucial. Yeah, the individuality that, you know, we prize as Americans or, you know, especially Americans, I would say. I mean, a lot of people in the West, but especially Americans, that individuality can be detrimental to trying to, you know, come alongside others and have the team mindset. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, Crystal, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about their work, where can they, uh, where can they find you? Well, they could just email Wade, W-A-D-E, at Wheaton, W-H-E-A-T-O-N dot E-D-U, and say, um, I'm interested in, I heard the podcast with Crystal Downing, or I'm interested in her book. Um, I'd be glad to, you know, um, if they want to buy a signed copy, we have plenty at the Wade to send out. Um, So just contact me through that um, email address. Well, uh, Dr. Downing, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it was a delight. I love talking about Sayers. <laughs> She's wonderful to, to know, and I am intrigued to learn more about her as well. Yes. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Grace Scott and Hannah Greaser. You can find out more about us at www.christiancurious.co. That's www.christiancurious.co. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.